you know, there's a different, I love this uh, uh, series that we've been in called Essentials. Because there are some things that are essential for us to go forward in our walk with Christ. How many of you know today, you're not where you should be a year from now. In other words, you're in a journey. God's done some incredible things, but you're not finished. God is not finished with you and working through you yet. And so what we want to do during this um, uh, series is focus on some things that are really essential for us, that if we do those things consistently, a year from now, we will not be in the same place. Because I don't know about you, I don't want to be in the same place next year that I am right now. Because I'm facing some stuff, uh, facing some decisions, facing some heartaches and all those kind of things. And I'm telling you, I, what, what I just want to make a declaration today is, yes, I'm walking through those things, but I'm keeping my eyes on Jesus and we're still moving forward in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Is anybody with me? And so uh, the first week, Pastor Richie was really showing us about the, the love of the father. And so many times we make the, the story of the prodigal son about the son. It's really about the heart of the father. And we see a picture of the heart of the Father there. And if we'll, if we'll just understand that essential, that God's not mad at us, but he is leaning in so that all of the good things that he has will flow in our lives. If we'll just understand that one thing, that'll set some people free today. And then secondly, if we begin to lean in to what God has, you ever been beside somebody and they just kind of sit back and they're like, I dare you to bless me today. I'm like, I don't want to wait. I want to run and grab the blessing. I want to be the one that goes, presses into what Jesus has. So that's not like God has to knock down 15 walls just to get me to the place that I can receive. He's just going here. I'm like, I've got it. I'm taking it. I'm receiving. And so last week is about receiving. This week uh, is an essential. It's in what I've entitled it is managing your mindset. How many of you know if you let your mind get in the wrong place? It will put a lid on what God can do through your life, not because of God, but because we've limited our, by our belief and our unexpectation of the goodness of God. And so today what I want us to do is I want us to take the lid off through prayer and faith and press in. Now, how many of you know there's a difference between talking at somebody and talking to somebody? Yes. <laughs> yeah, come on. Have you ever been talked at before? I'm just guessing that if you were talked at before... You probably didn't get a word out. It was a one-way conversation, right? There's a difference between that and talking to somebody. How many know that's true in marriage? You can either talk at your spouse or you can talk with your spouse. Probably a lot better to talk with your spouse. Becky helped me understand that one. Because I thought I was the anointed one. You guys are looking at me like you ain't never been there. <laughs> like you have all the answers and they just need to get in line. And I realized one day that God had done some pretty cool stuff in her and there was some stuff that she needed to bring in my life. And when I stopped talking at and began to talk with, my life got better. Our life got better. Well, so many times in prayer, we look at prayer like we're hurling words at the sky. And what we have to understand is that prayer is not just hurling spiritual words in the sky. It's a conversation that we have with our Heavenly Father. In fact, prayer is the most important conversation that we can have. Prayer helps us understand every good thing in Christ. It helps us to have one mind and voice to glorify God. It helps us discern what is best. Now, how many of you would hear those things of, of understanding every good thing that God has for you? How many would say, I'm not interested in that? Now, how many people here would be going, yeah, I want some of that? 
I want to know every good thing. You guys are like afraid to raise your hands like I'm going to pull you up to the stage like I did Robert last week. Like I ain't raising my hand. There ain't no way. That brother crazy. Um, how many of you know that having one mind and voice to glorify God is a good thing? How, how many are at a point of decision and if you just knew what God thought you ought to do, you'd be a lot more confident making that decision? Well, prayer helps us discern the things of God and how they apply to our life. But so many times we view prayer as this religious activity that, you know, it's almost like in a football game when there's two seconds left and you're on the two-yard line and you're down by six points and you got to go 98 yards. And so the quarterback goes up and he lobs up a Hail Mary, hoping at some point somebody might catch that and hoping things might turn out in your favor. So many times when we look at prayer, that's how we look at it. It's like we're lobbing this thing down the field, just hoping something might happen. Well, that's not what prayer is. Prayer is actually understanding the heart of God and what he thinks about our situation. Because when we're up against the Dead Sea Wall and the army's behind us, it looks like we're getting ready to be killed. I want the mind of God that says, oh, watch this, I'll just split the waters I don't want I don't want to be looking at the at the at the grave of Lazarus and having my natural mindset and go well the best of this relationship is behind me I want to have the mind of Christ that says Lazarus come forth I I want to be like the blind man that cries out to Jesus who who thought man I don't have much and Jesus comes by and he just oh he spits on him and opens his eyes and he begins to see listen do you understand that having the mind of Christ will enrich your life in ways that you never dreamt possible well that's why we under want to understand the difference between prayer or how prayer and faith works together in fact next week we're starting a um, it's called seven days of worship and prayer you know Matthew 6 talks about the lilies of the field and and Jesus is giving this illustration and he says the, the, the lilies of the field they don't work and they don't toil but even Solomon all of his royal splendor is not as pretty as those lilies are in the field do you know what the lilies do they just bask in the sunshine of the love of God and it brings out all of the best in their lives well next week we're starting seven days of worship and prayer and you go, man, I'm going to pick out Wednesday. I'm going to be here Wednesday. Can I just tell, ask you this? How many days next week are you planning to eat? Do you agree that your life would be much better off if you ate every day of the week? Can I encourage you? Can I challenge you? That next week set aside Sunday through Sunday. Can I, can I challenge you to rearrange your life, to bring your kids, keep them up later from Monday through Friday. It's 7 to 8. Saturday morning, it's 9 to 10. Can I challenge you to rearrange your life this next week, a week from Sunday, to be a part of every night of worship and prayer? You say, why should I do that? Well, let me give you a quick illustration. Is it possible to bring one or two of these lights up in here and, and darken everything else? Can we do, is that possible? Can we kill the lights in here and just put one or two lights on? Okay, so there's a light right there. And so... I just want you to let that represent the goodness of God. And I want you to let that represent every good thing that God wants to bring into your life. And I can see it from over here. And I can tell other people about it from over here. But church, when I step into the light and receive what God has... He begins to bring some things on my light, in my life, in the light that I'm not going to receive while I'm just watching from the sidelines. 
And can I tell you more than anything, this next Sunday through Sunday, can we come together as a community and can we collectively stand and bask in the love of God for a week as we worship in prayer, as we worship in worship, as we just come together to receive the good things that God has? Let's bring those lights back up. Because God has some things that he wants to bring into your life. But so many times we, we, we treat it like, man, we're just going to kind of wait over here and just, if the Holy Spirit just kind of finds me and moves on me, then I'm going to receive. Listen, can I just ask you to run to the light for seven days and expect God to do something miraculous in your life? I want to share with you real quickly this morning. Uh, in Scripture, uh, numbers are significant of different things. In fact, the number eight signifies resurrection and regeneration. In other words, the number eight is, would be symbolic of like Lazarus coming from the grave, like there was a dream or a hope that once was there that's been raised up again. It's also, excuse me, symbolic of regeneration. In other words, where God creates something. So I believe that we're coming out of a year where God has been stirring some things in our heart. He's raising up some dreams maybe that we once had that we thought had passed away. And then he's stirring some new things in us. Can I tell you what the number nine represents? Number nine represents divine completeness. Can I just tell you this? We're, in, we're coming out of 2018. We're in 2019. And those things that God was stirring inside of you in 2018, God has put you in a process of completing them in 2019. That's why it's important for us to come together and to set aside a time that we're going to press into God and receive everything that he has. Do you want everything that God has for you for 2019? Or are you going to settle for 25%? Maybe 15%. I want everything that God has for my life. So I'm just saying, let's gather together and let's together for those eight days, let's chase after God like we have never chased after him before. Today, church, I am here to activate your faith and to inspire you to ask God for the impossible because if you are not daring to believe God for the impossible, you may just be settling for less than the best parts of your Christian life. Do the prayers that you pray, just this past week, the prayers that you prayed, do they produce the same kind of results in your life that you read about in biblical stories? Or is it time for us to get a hold of an essential of prayer and faith and raise up and say something like this, not one more day in my life, devil, because I'm going to step out into the power of the Most High God. You know, when we talk about prayer, um, often we make two big prayer mistakes, Here's our two biggest mistakes that most of us deal with. Our prayers are too small and our prayers are too general. Our prayers are too small and our prayers are too general. If you'll receive this today, I promise you, it will be be an essential that will change your 2019. You see, general prayers don't move God to specific actions. You guys remember the story of Pastor Richie when he got up on that Sunday morning when we were over in the other building? And we're having a production that morning. And this building had become available. And Pastor Richie got up and he was praying, God, I want a supernatural sign. Is this the building for us? So he goes to church, packed house. One of the church members came up and said, what are we going to do about space? Pastor Richie said, we've been praying. There's a building that's available. We've been praying about if this is God's move for us. 
And before Pastor Richie ever left his, left his house, he asked God for a supernatural sign that God would show him that this was the right move. He gets to church, packed house, somebody's talking to him afterwards. What are we going to do? There's a building that we're looking at. What do we need? Well, we're trying to raise some money. After that service, that couple wrote a $120,000 check. I don't think you guys heard me. I didn't say 120 pennies. I didn't say a buck 20. I say $1,200. I said somebody wrote a check for $120,000. Pastor Richie prayed a specific prayer. God answered in a specific way. I remember when Becky and I... uh, Becky and I had been praying for kids for a long time. You know, both of our kids are adopted, and we found out about this little girl that was going to be born. And uh, Becky, because she and I had been together for so long, we kind of settled on one particular name. And about, I don't know, six or eight weeks uh, prior to this, God really put on our heart, I'm going to give you a little girl, and her name's going to be Faith. So we hear about this opportunity to adopt this baby, and so we're getting pretty close, and Becky and I go into a worship service, and, and we're going... God, we don't want to take a generic baby and a generic name and slap them together. We want to know, is this faith? So Becky's in the worship service praying that morning a very specific prayer. God, is this the name and is this faith? She looks, she looks down on the paper on the seat in front of her. And at the top of that uh, page is listed uh, the, the word faith. And a little bit past that word is the Hebrews 11.1. Now faith is being sure of what you've hoped for as evidence of things you have not seen. And we get, she gets to the bottom of that page, and written at the bottom of that page are these words, the great believers have been the unwearied waiters. And we had been waiting years. Becky prayed a very specific prayer. God answered that very specifically. Church, I want to remind you so many times our prayers are too small and our prayers are too general. I want to tell you one more story this morning. Martin Luther, who is the uh, the father of the Reformation, had a friend and a helper named Frederick Myconius. You need to read this story. It's incredible. In 1540, Myconius got sick and he was expected to die. In fact, he got to the place that he couldn't even talk anymore. He was helping Martin Luther bring reformation to the church. And now they were split up, they were separated, and my county was, uh, Frederick was about to die. And so he sends his friend a farewell message. He writes his last will and testament and sends it off to Martin Luther. I'm getting ready to die. So this is Martin Luther's response. He writes a letter and has it sent back to him, and this is what he says. I command you in the name of God to live. Because I still have need of you in the work of reforming the church. The Lord will never let me hear that you are dead, but will permit you to survive me. For this I am praying, because I seek only to glorify the name of God. Guess what happened? Myconius lived two years longer than Martin Luther did. A specific prayer to a specific God brought a specific answer. Church, am I beginning to stir some things up within you today? I need you to pray for me. I got four minutes and I need started the message. We're going to have to kick this baby up a little bit. I want you to write down three things. As we talk about prayer, the first thing I want you to write down, if you're taking notes, 
And you should be. I want you to write this down. Use what you have to overcome what you don't have. Use what you have to overcome what you don't have. Uh, Mark chapter 10 verse 46 says this. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving a city, a blind man, man excuse me, a blind man named Bartimaeus, which seems, son, means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I want to remind you of this fact. Maybe you know it, maybe you don't. Uh, Bartimaeus means son of honorable. Maybe his parents were very well off. Maybe he was expected to be a leader in the community. And he found himself blind, begging for food. He wasn't living up to the dreams, hopes, and visions that had been placed in his life. It would have been very easy for him to have his value determined by how everybody else saw him rather than by the greatness that already existed inside of him. Bartimaeus couldn't see, but he could hear. And Bartimaeus didn't get so stuck on the fact that he couldn't see that he overlooked what he did have, his hearing. And he heard, come on church, he heard Jesus, this miracle worker, coming where he was. And can I tell you, it wasn't a final destination for Jesus. He was just going through. Bartimaeus had an opportunity to have a meeting with Jesus, but he could have missed it if he was focused on what he didn't have instead of what he did have. Don't get caught up in what you don't have, that you forget what you do have. Jesus was passing by. He wasn't there to stay. Bartimaeus could have missed an opportunity, but he didn't because he used what he had. Church, can I just tell you, can I give you some freedom today? Some of us in this room are so focused on what we don't have, the dreams that aren't yet to be fulfilled, that we've forgotten that God has put some things in our heart and our hands. And if we'll be faithful what God has put in our hands to do, he will cause our dreams to be fulfilled in 2019. Don't let this opportunity pass you by. Don't let this be just another year with nothing being different. If you do what you have always done, you will get what you've always gotten. Church, will you join me in a week as we gather together to expect God to open our blind eyes together? Secondly, write this down. First one is you don't have, uh, use what you have to overcome what you don't have. Secondly, write this down. Don't drink the haterade. Don't drink the haterade. Listen to what the Word of God says. Mark 10 um, says this in verse 48. Many rebuked him. Who? Bartimaeus. Why? Because he's crying out to God for a miracle. Shut up. He's got more important things to do than listen to your whiny prayers. Haters. He could have drunk the haterade. He could have shut up. He yelled loudly. Listen to what the word of God says. Many rebuked him and told to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And when he did that, Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called Brian Bartimaeus, and he said, Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet, and he came to Jesus. Church, I want to tell you that haters are going to hate, but as haters are hating all the way around you, I want you to yell even more and don't drink the haterade. I love this. The great in the words 
of the great prophet Taylor Swift. Listen to this. Can I tell you, when somebody tries to pour haterade all over your life, just shake it off and you keep moving forward. Don't listen to what the haters are saying. Don't drink the haterade that they're trying to bring in your life. You continue to call out to God even more. Let your desire to lean into Jesus outweigh their discouragement. Maybe you've been here all of your life and you're just thinking stuff like this. I am never going to. It's just never going to work out. When I was younger, I had these things that I was thinking about, but it just doesn't look like it's going to come to pass. Maybe it's a bill. Maybe it's a vision. Maybe it's a business. Maybe whatever it is. Maybe it's a neighbor that needs Jesus. The more you try to step out by faith, the more the haters are hating on you. Don't drink the hatering. Don't spend your life thinking about one day and miss what God wants to do in your life today. Maybe you thought, maybe you're today thinking, when I have this or when I have that, then I will be someone, I will go somewhere, and I will do something. Church, I want to remind you today that you have everything you need today to do what God has called you to do today. Use what you have and don't drink the haterade. The last thing I want to share with you today is this. Tie your prayer to your faith. Do you know how you, we, you know how you know what you believe? It's by how you pray. Because I could have sat over there this morning thinking, Pastor Richie's never really had a toe on fire like this toe's on fire. He don't get it. He don't understand. He don't know. Or I could go, I'm going to follow my pastor, and I'm going to declare to the devil, I'm going to preach the word of God, and the word of God is true, and lean in. And I'm just telling you, my life, God healed me this morning. My body's finally believing what my mouth has been saying, that by his stripes I am healed. Mark 10 says this, what do you want me to do for you? This is Jesus talking to the blind man. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him, the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. The previous verses were talking about son of David, and it's how this guy, the blind Bartimaeus, actually referred to Jesus. Son of David is a national messianic title, um, and it means my master. It was used by one person in the gospel, and it was Mary at the tomb, and she knew exactly who Jesus was. And so that day, Bartimaeus called Jesus not a good teacher, not somebody that might be able to help. He said, you are the master of my life. You are my savior. You are my only hope. And I believe you. And when he did, church, his life was changed forever. I have a question for you, church. Jesus has a question for you. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? What's your response? It's, it's kind of like the runners in the block at the track meet just waiting on the gun to go off so that they can begin to move towards where they're supposed to be. And it's like Jesus, when he asks you that question, what do you want me to do for you? He pulls the trigger and says, go. He has opened up for you already 
the provision for what God has put on your heart to do. You see, immediately he received his sight. Immediately he followed Jesus along the road. You see, you don't have to have sight to be seen. And now that you've been seen, you will never be the same. You know that the value of an object is determined by the price that somebody is willing to pay for it. You know, a bottle of water, you can go to most convenience stores and you can buy a bottle of water for 80, 90 cents, maybe a dollar. How much would that dollar bottle of water mean to you? Or how much would you be willing to pay if you had just run an eight-hour marathon? And somebody said, this is a $3 bottle of water. Do you want it? Probably most of us in here be going, yeah, get, just give me the, the bottle of water. I'll pay you $3 for that. What if, what if your child was dehydrated and there was no water in Amarillo except one bottle of water? And you knew that for your child to live, that you needed to purchase that one bottle of water. How much would you pay for that? Nah, it's $3. Nah, go ahead and die. I'd just be willing to bet you'd sell everything to buy that one bottle of water. You'd give the very best that you had. And church, what I want you to hear is that's what our father did. Because you're so valuable to him that he gave the very best so that you could step into the best that God has for you.